Hey guys, check out Fox and Robin Apparel. Link will be below. They make incredible shorts, have pockets in them, and a built-in liner. They're incredible for working out. Trust me, you need to get yourself a pair. All right, guys, welcome back to another Footy and Coffee Conversations. Um, I have my coffee here. Uh, my guest is not a coffee drinker. What is in your cup? We got some tea. We got some tea. So we're right. uh, what kind of tea? Um, it was a uh, like a ginger, like turmeric, kind of herbal tea. It's it's okay. pretty good. A bit bit are spicy. You, so, are you just tea with water, no milk or sugar or anything? Yeah, I'll throw some lemon in there. Throw some lemon. Okay, in there. a little lemon. Yeah. I yep. like it. Yep. Um. All right. So, if you just want to get started, um, introduce yourself, what position you are on the field, and where you last played. Sure. So uh, I'm Charlie Lyon I'm from a uh, suburb of Chicago originally. Um, I uh, grew up there, ended up going to Marquette University and then um, played the last six years professionally. I'm a goalkeeper and last was uh, an MLS pool goalkeeper. Um, and so we can get into that. But I, the last team I was with technically was FC Dallas, although I was stationed in Portland. So I've bounced around to five or six teams in the last couple of years. So there's a- Yeah, and we, we definitely will get into that because I think just the, uh, probably a lot of people don't even really know about the goalkeeper pool and how that works. And I think it's just a fascinating um, story. Um, but before that, if you just want to start off by talking a little bit about what did you soccer look for you? Uh, did you start as a goalie? Were you playing in the field? Kind of what was all of that like for your, your story? Sure, you soccer for me started in, and I was reflecting on this as I've just retired and kind of had to look back at the whole journey. I, it started around. Also, yeah, congratulations on that. I mean, I know it's, it's sad and all, but it's also uh, an incredible thing because it's kind of the check mark to a lot of long, hard work to get to the end. It is. It's weird to feel like it's culminated and it's and it's come to a close. But, it, you know, it's 23 years and I was fortunate to have gone that long. And uh, I am reflecting and really seeing how much the game has given me uh, through that journey. So, you know, beyond grateful for the experience. And, and, and that experience started around five years old, kind of the normal park league rec. Everyone's, I don't even know if there was golds yet. It was just like the flags and you're, everyone runs around and whatever. And so for whatever, for whatever reason, I just, I liked it and started to play club soccer around like U10. I want to say, and my, my introduction to club soccer was just a local club team here, Campton United, and I wasn't anything special. I was on the C team first, you know, like, and I, I had to start there, but I was thrilled. I was absolutely thrilled. I made a travel team, and then we had to go outside the city to go play games. Wow. Like, I thought it was amazing, and so. What position I, were you playing at that time? Goalkeeper and, and, and uh, striker, okay. so half and half, we would split. Okay, I like that. Yeah, nothing in between. So I, I think I chose the two positions. I didn't have to, <laughs> to run too much. <laughs> no, no, love, love for the strikers out there. I'm not, I'm not trying. You guys obviously put in a lot of work. I'm not trying to dig on you. But um, so started there, and then it was uh, then eventually made the B team the next year, and then the following year after that, finally made the A team, and that was like U12 or so, and that was uh, when I started to play goalkeeper full time. And uh, that was when I really started to realize that's what I wanted to do. Um, and then stayed with them through my freshman year of high school, had offers to go to other clubs and everything and, and that, were, that were bigger and, and better at the time. But uh, I really liked the coaching I was getting and as a goalkeeper to be busy, you know, to a certain extent was 
a really good thing for my development. And so yeah, almost better to play with the worst defense in front of you, right? Hundred percent, hundred percent. So like that, that that was a really good experience. And then as I was entering, as I was in my sophomore year of high school, that was when the academy system started in its first iteration for. Uh, now you're you're dating yourself. I know, I know. It's it's scary to look back. And so I was I was part of that first inaugural Chicago Fire Academy team, and and so was there for three seasons, and then um, from there got recruited and and committed to Marquette. Now, what was the um, obviously yes, you want to play um, more competitive, and that's why you went to the Fire. But obviously, that is a uh, for people who probably don't know Chicago area, you're committing to a lot more driving when you go instead of you're from St. Charles going to Campton then to now the fire facility. Um, were you, were you thinking at that point? Um, I enjoy it. I just want the competition. Were you thinking I want the college scholarship or you think I want to be a pro? What was kind of your reasoning behind that decision-making to commit to a higher level? Yeah. And it, it was a big decision. Uh, and we, we even, we did the drive ahead of time before we made the, the commitment because it was like kind of a, on a good day, like an average day was going to be an hour and five minute drive, you know, uh, each, you know, each way. So that was, that was big. And that was something that we didn't want to do previously. And that's why we didn't go to some of these other clubs. And so, you know, we knew that there was going to be some sacrifice required. And so, but with that said, it was kind of all of the above. I wanted to go to college, wanted the scholarship, wanted to go professional. This seemed like the best route, the best training, the competition was good. And um, it seemed like the avenue for fulfilling these goals that I had. Right on. So you say you, you went to uh, Marquette. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the decision-making process to end up there? Yeah. So I ended up getting recruited by them pretty early. I had been uh, I had had the fortune of working with Stan Anderson, who was then the goalkeeper coach with them. And he had come across me through my goalkeeper coach with Campton. And that's Doug Cardozi, um, for any of the Chicagoland guys who know those two names. And uh, they started recruiting me early. And then uh, Stan had seen me at an ODP event. And then they kind of followed me through Academy. And so they were kind of, they were kind of pressing. They, they had some big goals when I was being recruited. Marquette was not a strong program. Um, you know, it was bottom of the Big East. They were, you know, perpetually losing. I think when we were being recruited, maybe in the last two seasons, they had like two or three wins. You know, it was a really tough spot. It's on paper, it doesn't really make sense. But for me, I got there. I liked the culture of what the coaches were, were trying to do. I liked the, the team and the guys that were there. And then I also liked the recruiting class that they were trying to put together. And it, I could see the vision. I could see it happening. You know, it was a bit of a gamble, but once I got there and they had what I wanted academically, it was, it was, I liked the city. It was close to home. So family could, you know, be a part of the experience, but also enough where I'm away and on my own. So um, there's a lot of factors. I mean, I, I always thought I was going to end up somewhere sunshine, you know, playing, playing grass all year. And, you know, next thing I know I'm, I'm in Milwaukee and we're playing on a, a hardwood, you know, basketball court in the, the winter, but um, you know, it, it, it all was valuable. I, yeah, looking back, I don't know why I didn't look more at colleges that had warm weather year round. I regret that decision. Um, Marquette, did you, were you the same year then as like John Mao? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I John, played PDL with him. 
Okay, right on. John, John, and I are are good friends. We were roommates. Um, so okay. Still keep in touch. Yeah, he's uh, he's a quality quality human, and uh, he's doing big things right now. Nice. Yeah. Now I went to Marquette. I uh, I have an ex girlfriend that went there, and I went there in like January one time to visit. Yeah. Oh my goodness, that wind coming off was horrible. It's it's rough. We had we did have a couple of cold days my I want to say sophomore year where the wind chill was so low that they canceled classes as as a result. But I will tell you that once you got used to it, it, it inevitably in the spring like 30 degrees would hit and everyone would be like it's like it's the summer like in shorts and t-shirts and it would felt amazing. So we we made our way through it. Um and your freshman year you redshirted, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Talk, talk me through that process. Sure. That was, that was a medical red shirt. I think that if looking back, I, I would not have done that if I didn't, if I wasn't forced to by, by circumstance. However, I, I see that meaning myself at that age probably wouldn't have wanted to red shirt, but I see the value in it, especially for a goalkeeper. You know, it's not the worst thing to have a year to get into the college game to take a bunch of classes and then you can lower your workload for the rest of your career as you're actually in, in competitive season. So I really don't see it as a, a bad thing. Uh, but for myself personally, I had to, I, I tore my PCL prior to getting to Marquette and had had a surgery just to clean up the meniscus that was torn as well. And then got to, uh, got to Marquette and realized that, you know, really couldn't get by without a PCL. And so had a PCL reconstruction, four days into my first preseason and was basically back at home, you know, living in the, in my living room on a, on a mattress and, you know, while the rest of the team's out there training. And so that wasn't exactly how I pictured the start of my college career going. At that point, are you nervous at all? Um, you know, maybe, maybe even college soccer won't really become a reality because obviously in hindsight, yes, you can see that you played all these games and everything, but in that moment, okay, you're injured. Well, what if they go find another goalie and then you sit the bench and there goes it right there? Yeah, that's a great question. And that's exactly where I was at. I'm, I've lost the, I mean, like I can't bend my leg. I can't walk. You know, I, I, you know, just getting up to go to the other room is a challenge. You know, I, I uh, can't feel my leg. Uh, and when I do, it's, it's painful. And so the, the thoughts are all, man, like, well, what if I never get back? Like you hear the stories of, so-and-so did this and they were never the same and I was I had that little voice in the back of my head of like what if you're never going to be the same and that that haunted me and I think it also drove me to make sure that I you know I wasn't going to let that happen but you're right it's easy at the end of the story to look back and say oh yeah everything worked out but in that moment I didn't know it you know and I was I was terrified that that was going to happen or that whoever was going to play was going to solidify the spot more than I could come in and, and challenge for and so uh, you know, a lot of doubts started to creep in and it was a, a difficult place, but I realized that I had to keep my head down that I couldn't win the starting spot until I learned to walk again or run again or kick the ball again. So I kind of had to refocus and reframe. Yeah, I find those type of injuries are very um, humbling, but one good thing is it makes you refocus on uh, the baby steps and also like taking joy in each of those little milestones where I feel like in, especially in soccer in your career, like it's always the next thing. You're always looking for the next thing. And so we so often don't enjoy where we're at because we're always worried about where can we go next. 
hundred percent. I love that. That's, that's one of the, that's been one of the things I've really reflected on is you, you have this big goal, right? And it's, and it's good to have these goals in this ultimate place you want to end up with, but you know, it's like a marathon, the crossing of the finish line only lasts for a second. And once you've achieved that goal, you know, that all of those hours you spent training, the hours you spent running that marathon, you know, that accomplishment of that goal only lasts for half a second. And no one can take it away for you. Sure. But if you didn't enjoy those, those hours and miles leading up to it, it's, it's a long journey and, and no one's going to celebrate the little things for you. You know, like taking my first step without a brace on, like, to anybody else, it doesn't really mean a lot. But to me, you know, that was, that was everything. It meant like, I didn't have to wear this thing anymore. And so you're right, you got to celebrate the little things because no one's, no one else is going to do it for you. Yeah. And after like the second week of an injury, most people don't even care, text or ask you how you're doing anyway. So yeah, you really got to take it upon yourself. Yeah, the new injury shine is worn off. And they're like, ah, it's old news. You get maximum two Instagram posts of high likeage. And then after that, no one cares. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's like, old news, move on. <laughs> um, so then talk a little bit about uh, your career at Marquette. Um, obviously, you, you excelled. Um, was it just a straight trajectory? Did you have ups and downs? What was it like for you? Yeah, uh, it wasn't, wasn't a straight trajectory. I got into Marquette. And so like that first year was just all rehab and getting back onto the field and then that summer I was cleared for full training which I was allowed to do with the fire uh, super 20s and PDL however they didn't clear me for games with all of the investment they just put in, in into that surgery into that rehab that they they said no games until you were back in Marquette and and completed a season so unfortunately that, that left me at you know kind of coming in with almost two years of being away from a game and so my first, so redshirt freshman, my sophomore year, I didn't win the starting spot. David Check was playing and playing very well. And then, the, but the team was struggling and four games into the season, I get my opportunity and absolutely blow it. It was a horrible first game. Um, and, uh, you know, unfortunately it involved, I, I had a play where um, a ball played over the top. Mao was running it down, who we had mentioned earlier. I miscommunicated with him. I'm saying I'm going to run onto it. He thinks that he's going to pass it back to me. He passes it back. I whiff at it, and they have an open goal. That's that's the first goal I concede in my college career. So for everybody else out there, that's like, oh, it's going to be great. And, you know, no, it was awful. I concede another goal in the second half. We lose to Wright State. We we absolutely, we get absolutely chewed out. And, like, I, I'm like, well, I'm never playing again. So <laughs> I'll see my college career goodbye. They're definitely cutting my scholarship after that. And so made it through the rest of the year. Got into two more games in the second half. Uh, I got in against Seton Hall. We were up 3-0. Um, so, you know, and Czech was very gracious about that. I mean, it wasn't his decision, but he was gracious. He had a shutout, and he didn't say anything about it to me and to the coaches. He, you know, he – he understood the work and then we were down three nil to UConn and I got to get in against them which was a lot of fun um and then from there which real quick just going back to the mistake on the first sure game. I, for me those ones you know I played center back and so you make some of those mistakes and you know it's bad like yeah. in the moment you know it's not like oh the guy did something great like you just know it's bad and then after the game like the whole day the whole night all I can think of is like Oh, this is gonna be terrible to have to watch with the team and film. Like, there's, there's nothing you can defend it. Uh, like, and then they'll play it 20 times in a row for you to just stare at it. It's it's the worst feeling. Like, 
you just sit there and you want to curl up in a ball and just be anywhere else from 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 where you're at at that moment. Um, it's always some striker looking back at you like, really? You're like, yeah. shut up. You're out there. Yeah. Doing, you missed 10 <laughs> shots and we don't show those. Yeah, they, they shank it and it's 20 yards over and fading 30 to the right and no one no one said anything about that. But um, yeah, so for anybody for anybody that goes through that, for me, I mean, I took a lot of it really personally as a player, like, and I think it was because I had a lot of my identity wrapped up in like, it wasn't just, you know, it wasn't Charlie and the goalkeeper it was Charlie, the goalkeeper, Charlie, the soccer player. And so like me failing, it was like, you know, it was me as a person failing. And so I've had to work to separate those two that, you know, that you are a person and play is what you do you know, it doesn't make you any less of a person or whatever you make mistakes. So be able to go in there and know that it is just one part of you and that you can take ownership for what you did. And some of it's out of your control. Like say if that, you know, the ball kind of skipped up on me and I was, you know, say if it had made a little bit better contact, it goes out for a throw in and we all wipe our brow and go, you know, that could have been bad, but Mm -hmm. you know, so there's some in your control. There's some not take responsibility for what you can do. And then ultimately you just gotta you gotta find a way to move on because if you live in that moment you know you're only hurting yourself and the team going forward you know everybody wants you to play well so you gotta let that you gotta let it go learn and, and move on but uh yeah the film the film's never fun <laughs> <laughs> uh so then now we're in your redshirt sophomore year you earn the starting spot at that point Oh, no, so that's redshirt junior year. So, oh, so sorry, David, yeah, I meant, yeah, yeah, junior year, sorry. yeah, David Check, unfortunately, or yeah, red, that's my junior year, redshirt sophomore year. Yeah, no, you had it right. Um, he, he, unfortunately, he had to retire from playing from some injuries, some persistent um, bursitis that was popping up. Um, and so I, I didn't really have the opportunity to fully compete with him and earn the spot from him, um, which I think he, he would have been a, a really challenging adversary like I, I think that spring season at, after that first season um so that's the spring of my redshirt freshman year was when I grew the most when it was just Czech and I in training and we were just battling back and forth mm-hmm. and so I I you know I, I wish I kind of know how that that played out I think he would have been a really really tough challenge to, to earn the spot from uh, and then so that we had two freshmen coming in and so I kind of had I kind of had the go-ahead you know it wasn't like full reins that you know it was kind of like you know you need to step in we've got these two guys coming in but you've got more experience so you know it's yours you know but you got to do something with it and right. so end up having a really good year that year uh, we ended up I believe we got on a run and made it to I think at one point like number two in the nation we were doing really well and and um, had a had a really strong year it was the first year we got back into the tournament for the the men's program of NCAA tournament um, in a long time. And I want to say we were co uh, co uh, maybe we were league, like co-league champions or something at that year. I can't remember exactly, but it was, it was a really good year. And like that kind of solidified, like, okay, I'm, I'm here. I can play, you know, this is, this is what I'm here to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it seems like you took it at that point and, pretty much held it down I think your goals against average was like 0.88 that, I did, and yeah like I don't, 29 29 clean sheets I believe yeah yeah I did I, I don't I know I think I set a, a Marquette goalkeeping record with 29 I think that was one more 
um, than the previous holder. And it was cool to do that because that I tied the record on, a, on an alumni game while he was present. So I got to, oh, that's cool. to share that night with him. Um, so yeah, some, some cool accomplishments, but you know, it's, it, it really isn't without the group in front of me, you know, it's, mm. we, we had, we had a, we had a really good group and that that's really what made, you know, made, made those accomplishments possible. Cause uh, you look at the goalkeeper ahead of me, Matt Pizdrowski, who's now, now a really close friend, um, unbelievable goalkeeper. He, he did very well overseas uh, in Sweden. And, you know, he was absolutely just getting shelled, absolutely shelled at Marquette. And, you know, not many, not any, not many wins, not many shutouts, horrible goals against average. And, you know, and, and he's still an unbelievable goalkeeper. So um, mm -hmm. definitely fortunate to have the group that I played with. Yeah. Yeah. I think any, um, especially defenders and goalies understand that completely mm -hmm. of it, it. It's not just yourself because you can play amazing, but if those guys around you aren't protecting you, yeah. no chance you're coming out of that with shutouts. Yeah. Yeah. For you as a center back, like if you're, if the center mids aren't helping you and the wingers aren't tracking back, like it's a long, long game. So um, even the strikers to start putting the pressure and, and shaping the, you know, your defensive block is, is so important. So um, that is one of the beautiful things about about soccer is is how much it does rely on on the, you know the team aspect. Yeah. So, what point of college soccer um, did professional soccer not just be oh this is a a dream in the future, but looks like okay this is a reality of something that could happen? When was kind of that switch in your career? I. I think, yeah, I definitely had, you know, I definitely had those doubts. It was more so like, can I even just play at college soccer after the injury? And so once I got healthy and then had that first successful season, which was my redshirt sophomore year, that was kind of when I was like, oh, this, this could be something, but I know that I still have two more seasons that I have to perform. You know, I, you know, guys go generation Adidas. So I knew that maybe I had an absolute lights out year the next year I could be out of there, but uh, you know, I did, I did after that injury, I really was committed to getting a degree and wanting to walk away with that. And from the experience, so I was like, okay, two more seasons, um, really have to perform and, and make it happen. And, uh, I was at the time, you know, still homegrown with Chicago. And so coming back in the summer and trying to train with them and, and getting a taste of that level. And so the, the seeds were started to be planted after that, that uh, first good season and then and then it was really the following year when I when I got co uh, Big East goalkeeper of the year was really when I was like okay like I'm definitely on people's maps now you know mm -hmm. I, I need to have one more good season and you know then we'll go from there and then talk me through the process of the draft and entering your professional career yeah, so I, I've had I had a little bit of an interesting route in. So the the goalkeeper coach at Chicago at the time, uh, Aaron Hyde, who's now the men's national team goalkeeper coach, he was not interested in having me come in uh, to Chicago. So, and that was known pretty early on. That's a very polite way of saying it, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He he didn't, you know. He, he's English and a little bit more blunt. I think he could have a little bit more colorful words of what he thought of me as a player at the time. And we had had a couple of disagreements or just didn't see eye to eye on things but um so ultimately going into my my fifth my fifth year my my redshirt senior year I had to get my rights released from Chicago and I went and I trained with Seattle and I trained with Columbus and so they they were like well you know that you know this effectively ends things for you here I'm like yeah 
gladly because you guys don't want me. And so I'm going to go try and take fate in my own hands and go somewhere else. So I had a good showing with both of them. Um, you know, I don't, I didn't, didn't do anything amazing, but I also showed that I could hang. And so that was kind of just, I needed to plant some seeds going into it. Uh, and then the last, my last season had a really good, we had a shutout streak and we held it and then we, we set the 10th longest shutout streak. I don't know if it still holds because that's the first one off the list. So if something's happened in the meantime, you know, maybe I'm not on the list anymore, but so I had a pretty good year, but I ended up picking up a, a sports hernia and this, the end of the season was not really as strong as, as I could have had as years past. And so um, was kind of in this place of not knowing if I was going to keep playing. I, I, I was so banged up. I, could, I couldn't even sit up out of bed. I had to pull myself and, and sit up. So everything was kind of called into question at this point. You know, I, I was burnt out, could hardly move, and was like, I'm on the doorstep to the one thing I've wanted my entire life, and I don't know if I can do it. So just started doing one thing at a time, started working with a physical therapist, uh, really, really just trying to get to the point where I knew it wasn't going to be fully good to go, but just to the point where I could make it through training, you know? And so we got to that point and um, going into the first two rounds, I didn't think I was going to get dra drafted that high, but I was paying attention to it. And then, um, you know, I, I, I forgot what Columbus did. And then I see Seattle drafts Tyler Miller. Oh no, sorry. Prior to the draft, Seattle had asked what I was doing. And I'm like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't have any plans yet. And they're like, well, do you want to commit to preseason with us? I said, yes. So I start listening to the draft and then they draft Tyler and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, like I'm, I'm not going to, and you know, there's no way like they are, you know, we're similar, like there's no way they're going to take me, but it was the first year of S2. So there was still some opportunity. And then Tyler announces he's going to Germany. So I'm like, okay, great. This is, this is good. I got to go in you know, in all honesty, kind of exaggerate on my, my entry physical about how bad my physical symptoms are. I'm taking strong anti-inflammatories and pain meds and like doing 30, 40 minutes of prep just to get on the field and another hour after to take care of it. Um, make it through preseason kind of out at each stage. It was kind of a week in. Um, and, uh, then they kind of kept cutting players and I just kept making it to the next stage to the next stage. They'd bring new goalkeepers in and I kept outlasting them. And then it was, then it was, you know, season's about to start and it's like, Hey, you know, like we, we want to sign you and, and you're still here. Might as well sign you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, and they were waiting on the CBA at the time. And so that kind of delayed things, but um, yeah, they, I, I had outlasted and they, they saw enough of uh, enough of potential in me and, and they signed me and, and I got ahead of myself prior to that in the fourth round, they did still have a draft pick left. So they used it on me um, because they didn't, you know, I guess they wanted to ensure that, that they had me for preseason. So mm -hmm. I wasn't like, it wasn't like drafted in this, this really big thing. Although it was, it was a, I still was very proud of that to have my name right. across the draft, you know, ticker, but um, I kind of knew I was going in there already and just was going to have to grind it out. Now, what's that like that, that um, first preseason? Um, Cause you go in, obviously there's a step between college and the MLS, but I think um, another thing besides just the skill level is when you're, when you're in college, you start to get comfortable. It's the same locker room and you're the senior and there's only people younger than you, especially if you redshirt. Um, and then you go into the MLS locker room and it's guys that are providing for their families. And some of them have 35 years old, 30 years old, whatever. 
Um, and now you're one of the youngest and coming straight from college. So I feel like it's just a, not just the on field, but the like headspace is much yeah. different at that level. It is. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's in a certain sense, it's terrifying. It's this huge jump, you know, and to, to go to Seattle, they, they're, they're a, a historic club. The fan base was incredible, you know, showing up to the first day of preseason and 200 plus people out there chanting and signs and, you know, everything. And so it's, it's intimidating and then stepping on the field and, uh, you know, you're not, it's, you know, you're playing against Clint Dempsey and Obafemi Martins and in my case for strikers, you know, and so fortunately I, having been in there and I was at least a little bit familiar from the summer prior to that, uh, you know, me, me going into preseason with them, but um, yeah, it's something different when you're, when you're playing against guys and, you know, I'm walking in and it's Brad Evans and Chad Marshall and Zach Scott and Stephen Fry and Troy Perkins. It's like all these guys that I've watched and looked up to and seen, you know, play for national teams or internationally. And um, yeah, there's like a different weight to it. And you're kind of caught off guard, you know, just by the sheer, I don't know, just the, the force that everything is kind of presented, you know, presented with. What's, uh, what's it like in the locker room with guys like that? I mean, because as you said, like you grow up, you watch those guys, everyone knows them. And then now you're in like the locker room. Are they just like, are you just normal with them? Or are you just like, I'm not going to talk unless yeah. you talk to me. I don't want to make you angry or. Yeah, no, I, from, from having been around Chicago's locker room in the summer, like I knew it was really important. Go around, introduce yourself, shake everybody's hands. And, you know, when you get in there, look them in the eye, you know, let them know that, you know, that you're not just like this timid you know, college kid that, that doesn't feel like he deserves to be there. But I also wasn't going to be trying to hop into jokes and like, you know, being a part of the group when I knew I wasn't. And so I kind of was just trying to know my role of, of, you know, be a part of the group, you know, be able to be a human being with them, right, first and foremost, but then also not overstep any bounds. But fortunately, it, it was a great locker room, a lot of really good guys, you know, um, you know, someone, someone, you know, like Brad Evans doesn't need to go out of his way to go help a rookie unsigned rookie, but he'll go, he'll talk to anybody and, you know, make you feel comfortable. And so, you know, I was, I was fortunate to have guys like that. And, and then, you know, the goalkeeper group was, was fantastic. Steph and Troy, uh, you know, really looked out for me. And so um, fortunately I, I wasn't, I'm sure there are some horror stories of being on trial. I didn't for the most part experience any of those. <laughs> Maybe, and I don't know, maybe it is, I don't know goalies, but maybe it is easier with goalies in the sense that you have your own like smaller subgroup inside of the whole group, which maybe helps a little bit more. Yeah. I don't you, know. You, you know that you have your group, your guys to call on and ask questions to like, you know, about what are we doing and how do we do it here and this and that. However, it also depends on those guys because they don't want, yeah, you don't want Truth, yeah. fresh blood coming in, taking their spot. So it's a fine balance. And so everyone kind of like works it out. And I, to be honest, it, I think some of the older guys kind of feel out where the younger guys are of like how much of a threat they are before, you know, before they really open up. But fortunately for, for Steph and Troy, I mean, they, I mean, they had so much experience and things going for them that they, they were, regardless, they were class and they were going to, to be helpful, you know, no matter what. So, yeah. Yeah, I always think of like, you know, first year Tim Howard comes back to the MLS, you have some rookie there, something as a goalie, like trainer with him. And, you know, what do you, how do you ask for help from that? Hey, Timmy, do you know where the bathroom is? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> like I feel like I wouldn't want to bother him with anything. Yeah, you know, there there certainly is that there certainly is that feeling. Uh, but then at a certain point too, you like for me, I realized like it's always important if you're unsigned and you're a rookie or whatever, you got to be first out to the field. You got to be helping with stuff. So at a certain point, you know, I'm asking Steph like, hey, like what time are you going out? And then like figuring out, okay, I need to go out a little bit earlier than Steph. And so. Um, you know, at some point you got to be brave enough just to ask those questions so that you don't mess up and, uh-huh. and put yourself in a bad situation. hundred <laughs> um, percent. How does, how does your time in Seattle go? Uh, it was good. I, I really enjoyed it, to be honest. At, at first, you know, it was a struggle just trying to get to the level. And then uh, Tom Dutra, who I have, uh, you know, the utmost respect for as a goalkeeper coach there, he really helped rework my game that year. And, and so Oftentimes it felt like it was getting worse before it was getting better because we were changing so much. And then um, I, I had always been a little bit more muscular than I was as a pro and so from college. And so we were working on slimming down. So I'm cutting weight, I'm changing my game, I'm adapting to the pro game. And like, man, some of those days were hard, you know, because it just felt like I don't belong here at all, you know. And, and however, Tommy was very, he was demanding, he was hard and he had high expectations, but he always brought it back in of like, look, like I believe that this is what you're capable of doing. And he goes, this is why I'm asking this of you, you know? And so um, I really respected that. And that, that is what got me on board. But as the contract stood, I was on the reserve minimum contract and that was a semi-guaranteed contract. So I kind of felt like, and so I could have been cut at any point up to July 7th. So once that July 7th rolled around, I finally felt like, okay, take a sigh of relief. I'm going to be here at least through the end of the year, you know, and not, not that I took my foot off the gas, but it was a little bit of that mental right. thing of like, maybe, you know, maybe my mistakes in training don't weigh so heavily on me as, as, as they did prior to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, no, it's and, hard to live with that everyday possibility of being called in and being like, you're gone. Yeah, yeah, it, that was that was tough. And because, I, I, you know, you don't actually know how things work in your first year as a pro and how to gauge how you're doing and, and all of that. Fortunately for myself, again, you know, talk about uh, the first year of the academy in my career. And then I was in the first year of the USL introduction to a lot of these MLS teams. So I was I was part of the inaugural Sounders 2 group. And so for a number three to then be thrown into, I don't know, I think I had 34 games my first year as a pro, like it's unheard of. And yeah. so I was, I was put in a really good position to kind of start showcasing some of the things I could do in a game and some of them didn't go so well either, but uh, you know, at least the club had that to see for me and not just, um, not just training, but they could see game performances as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, eventually time with Seattle comes to an end. Yeah. Uh, what are you thinking at that point? Have you considered maybe I try Europe, maybe I just stay in the U.S.? What kind of your thought process to the next team? Yeah, I had I had the goal had always been to end up in Europe at some point, and so I really was looking at that. And uh, we had had I had had some connections through Marquette, and you know how how Matt Pizdraski ended up over there, and so agent was looking at you know for whatever reason the Scandinavian teams will will bring over you know Americans and American goalkeepers, and so I was definitely open to that, uh, and then just was also really did want to have some MLS games, and so was trying to stay in that environment too. So really just trying to keep everything open, and I 
yeah, I was in Seattle for two years. And then um, after that first season, I get invited to preseason with Minnesota United in their first, uh, their first year as an MLS team. And that was a tough preseason. Uh, and then ultimately they brought in uh, Patrick McLean in the Kevin Molino deal. And so that, that kind of ended my time there. I'd spent two weeks with them. And then, uh, however, in the background, Orange County was in the works. Uh, Logan Paws had worked with my agent as, as well. And so we, we had been keeping communication open. And so that's, that's ultimately, he knew I needed to check this out, but like they, you know, they wanted to have the door open for me there. And, and so uh, fortunately I kind of had that in my back pocket wrapped up with Minnesota and, and got to Orange County as soon as I could. How'd you like, how'd you like it there? That's a big, big difference than uh, Milwaukee. Yeah, it is. And, and it's a big difference from Seattle too. And Seattle. Um, and St. Yeah, Charles. So, and St. Charles. No, I, so, I mean, I've been very fortunate to be on the West coast my whole career. I've, I absolutely love it out there. It's, it's, a place you know I love Southern California I love the Pacific Northwest you know I'm those are the markets I wanted to be in and somehow I, I landed there so uh, really grateful for it um, I liked I liked the sunshine in Southern California I liked showing up and knowing that you know it was gonna be perfect training conditions uh, summer got a bit hot I don't I don't enjoy the heat quite as much but um, it was good I mean again though Orange County wasn't what it was you know what they are now and um when i joined them they had just rebranded from oc blues um they hadn't had the stadium built we were we essentially just showed up to training at a at the park and had our own gear you know we didn't have a locker room like we did all of our prehab like on the sidewalk you know and then we trained and then took our gear home did laundry and showed up the next day we got the stadium the uh, championship stadium at, at the great park later in the year and we could use the locker rooms, but it wasn't like you kept your stuff there. You were, we were still doing our own laundry and all that kind of stuff. So it's a big change from, from Seattle when you're getting, you know, extra boots and your, your kit's taken care of every day and, you know, and you have a, a bigger staff. And so it, it was an adjustment. However, it was a good group of people. And so we were all in it together and, and you know, really trying to make the most of it. Yeah. How did the, uh, the on-field go for you that year it was it was good it was it was the best year of my career playing wise I uh, really kind of had a lights out year and so I think that's what put me on the map for consideration with LAFC and and that's ultimately uh, why I went down you know why Orange County was so appealing was the connection to LAFC in the following year like I, I knew that that was something I wanted to be a part of and so you know was fortunate to have had the year that I had with Orange County and uh, that, that kind of at least set me up for a trial with, with LAFC. Um, and so just to throw this out there, I've talked about it on, on a couple other podcasts, but Tyler Miller, who's now with Minnesota and I, and I hope he's healing well from his surgery. Um, he, he was, he was kind of my, the thorn in my side, my, my whole career. I could never quite beat him out. He, he, um, he played for Northwestern and he, he was in goal. Uh, they, they knocked us out of the first NCAA tournament berth. He was playing with me in Chicago at the PDL team. The goalkeeper coach liked him more. So he kind of chased me out of Chicago. I, I run to Seattle hoping for, you know, the opportunity to get away and they draft him. And then, so I spend time with him there. I go to Orange County trying to get to LAFC, trying to get away from Tyler. They bring him in. 
Um, so, you know, I just, I never, never quite cleared uh, getting past Tyler. And so, um, you know, now, now uh, I'll be following his career and, and living vicariously <laughs> through his accomplishments. <laughs> and just know that you would be wherever he is at the same yeah, time, right? Yeah, you know, he's, 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 um, he's been a great teammate. Um, I, I enjoyed working with him and, and uh, want nothing but the best for him. And, you know, he certainly has some, some good qualities and, you know, he certainly had the mindset to step into that role, you know, really kind of being first year as a starter with, with LAFC and taking on that, that pressure with, with, uh, you know, an expansion team. So, you know, I thought he did very well at his time there and, uh, you know, I hope he does well with Minnesota. Yeah. How, how was it, uh, uh, with LAFC? Obviously it's a new club. Um, I think there's some benefits in a way. There's a lot of excitement. Mm -hmm. Um, but also I think it's, a struggle because there's not a culture set in stone. Um, there's a lot of just trying to figure things out, what the routine of that organization is. So I think that yeah. can be difficult as a player as well to get into that routine. Yeah. Well, you're right. They're, they did have some hurdles, but I think that as far as expansion sides go, you know, obviously Atlanta kind of sets the standard and, 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 and Bob Bradley's original Chicago fire with having getting, you know, winning the MLS cup in their, you know, first years and, and all of that. But um, the way that LAFC went about it was, was really, you know, stellar in, in, in all regards, they had uh, a really clear vision, um, the ownership and the front office and, you know, the, everybody involved really had a, a clear, direction that they were taking the club and they had this um this culture and this brand and then you know that was really I think they made a statement with the hiring of Bob Bradley and then subsequently Carlos Vela and Diego Rossi it was like we're here you know like we mean business and they worked really hard on the ground to get the supporters section going and they had a, a great relationship with them and they were involved in the designing of the their uh, the supporters stand in the bar behind the supporters stand. They were flying the the heads of the the supporters group over to Dortmund and starting that partnership and really getting a chance to experience what a top level supporters mm -hmm. section looks like. And so we walk into our home opener and it just, you know, chills go down, down your spine because yeah. it is deafening. Like there's, there's excitement, there's energy. And um, I mean, the city was all on board, you know, like a full spread in the LA times. And so it was, it was a lot of fun. It was, you know, I didn't, didn't really get a lot of, you know, playing time. I got half, half of a friendly, but um, it was one of the mo more fun years of my career, just the, the overall energy behind uh, the club and, and um, what they were trying to do. Yeah. Yeah, no, every, from the outside, everything about it seems uh, very high energy in an exciting way, which makes it so much more enjoyable to come and work when that's the, the atmosphere behind it than, yeah. you know, supporters not caring or whatever. Yeah. Um, so we talked to, touched on it before, but just getting into it more, um, talking about you were a MLS pool goalkeeper. Mm -hmm. um, talk me through what that means for our listeners and then also kind of how um, you got selected for that, how that happens. Sure. It's uh, one of the stranger contracts in pro sports. It's a, it's a, the pool player contract is a utility, uh, utility goalkeeper role for the league as a whole, meaning 
I'm signed to the league, but I can play for any team at any point uh, if, it, if an injury or, you know, other circumstance arises. And so with being a pool player, you're stationed in one city, one club for the year, but at any point you can be called away and uh, join another team. And you really don't know how long that could be. It could be, you could be coming in for a weekend or you could be spending the remainder of your year with this, with this club. And so it's, it's a, it's a pretty unique uh, experience as far as how I got it. Um, I was coming off of my season with LAFC and went into preseason with Toronto and that didn't, that didn't come through. They were looking at Quentin, Quentin Westberg and uh, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't of the same caliber and, or the, you know, going to compete in the same way as Quentin, Quentin was and did. And so they, they uh, once his deal went through, they let me go. I came, came back to the Midwest, didn't know what I was going to do, was talking with uh, Greenville um, Triumph uh, in League One, and then ultimately just decided, you know, I couldn't make that work for myself personally. And so I was starting to look over the edge of, you know, the abyss of retirement and stepping away from the game. And, um, and then all of a sudden, get a call from my agent. Uh, Portland had reached out and wanted to see if we could do something for, for T2, and, um, but they, they weren't able we weren't able to come to terms and then uh and then they pick up a couple of injuries in preseason and they're like okay we're applying for you know the pool and uh because of being out there with Seattle too you know uh and then Aiden Brown who's now with Chicago who was with uh the Timbers first team and then with Timbers two while I was there uh knew of me and so they you know they wanted to bring me in and I was in pretty shortly after that conversation I want to say like maybe even a week later and you know just getting rolling again and um so that's how that's how I got into it yeah so any team can call they need they have goalies hurt they need you um obviously it was created before a lot of teams had um Mm -hmm. affiliates with lower level teams to bring up goalies um but still a part of it what was the uh how many times did you get called up throughout that pool time by other teams so for my first year was just once uh, to the Philadelphia Union. Um, <clears throat> it was funny. I was I was I was getting ready for a two day weekend, a rare two day weekend that that you get in pro soccer. You rarely get two days in a row. And so I was, you know, I had plans. Was going to go do do this and that. And then I get a call. Um, and even Aiden was joking. He's like, "Oh, hopefully like nothing comes up. Just like you know, whatever. Just a little joke." And next thing you know, I'm getting a call later that day. Like, "Hey, uh, double injury in Philly." you know, have your bags ready. We'll let you know when your flight is. So, you know, fly out the next day. Don't know how long I'm going to be in Philly because it's a pulled hamstring and a, a pulled oblique um, from uh, Andre Blake and Matt Freeze, respectively. And so, you know, it, it ended up only being two weeks uh, all in all. And then I, I almost went back in with them after, you know, a little bit of touch and go with one of them. But um, that was the first year. Um, really enjoyed that experience. Again, another outstanding locker room great individuals um they welcomed me in with with open arms and um really enjoyed that and then this last year though is where it got interesting um i was in preseason with new york city prior to to the start of the season um it didn't uh, the the sporting director there didn't want to sign a fourth goalkeeper and so you know i had done well they wanted me but that was kind of it and so come back to uh, Portland and I'm trying to figure out and again you know 
looking over the edge of like, okay, this is probably it, you know, and, you know, nothing else comes through USL, nothing's really there overseas. And then, and then the coronavirus hits. And so it's just like, all right, you know, moving on, I actually uh, started applying for essential jobs and, you know, wasn't getting anything at the grocery stores and ended up looking into logging because that was still essential and it was local to, uh, it seemed like a fun, something fun to do. And, joined a, a logging company. I was kind of on trial, so to say. I was a part of their lake salvage team. We were cleaning up a reservoir and then I was gonna jump on a rigging crew after. And then um, six weeks later, the MLS resumes and just with the uncertainty of coronavirus, the amount of time that guys have had off, they you know, they had, they had petitioned for, Portland petitioned again for pool, uh, pool player and the league was like, yeah, for sure, you know, it'll be easy in the tournament. Get to the tournament. Um, Oh, first day showing up to travel. Um, I then find out I'm going to be with New York City for the remainder of the tournament. So I'm flying in with Portland, going to uh, join New York City. All right, see you guys. <laughs> yeah, see you guys. Um, it's been fun. So join New York City because uh, one of their goalkeepers didn't travel. And then from New York City, Kansas City uh, needed me. They had um, one of their goalkeepers had uh, had gotten sick. And then Tim Melia got a red card. And so next thing you know, I'm on the bench for – uh, their game against Colorado, and then um, was with them uh, for a little bit longer. And then I was supposed to join Vancouver, but with the international like visa clearance situation, I wasn't able to join them. So Vancouver had one goalkeeper on the roster at at one point, and um, so uh, so that was kind of a strange situation that came up. And then once all once the tournament ended, all the teams went back to market, and then I ended up with uh, FC Dallas. Um, similar thing. Uh, they released Jesse and uh, had an injury, and so I I hop in um, until their new goalkeeper signing um, from I think Brazil uh, arrived and was cleared. So um, that was the last club I was with, and then after that they decided that the that the pool player position was untenable in, in this, you know, in this situation with the virus and keeping teams safe and testing protocols and, and all that. And, you know, it was a lot of money. They had to, they had to fly me in on a private jet to keep me away from people. So I don't think they wanted to do that. So, um, so after that, I mean, that, that was the end of the, the, the journey for me. I, I had a couple of months to do some soul searching and I, I drove up and down the West Coast surfing, mountain biking, and kind of trying to get clear on what I wanted to do in life, whether it was keep playing or, or, uh, or move on. And so that's uh, kind of been my journey through the last two years as a pool player and then a little bit of stepping away from the game. What, uh, what ultimately... Uh was like the deciding factor that you knew you were ready to step away? I think it was just the uh, way I feel my relationship to the game had changed. It wasn't quite the same as when I was younger and that same joy and spark that I felt. And it was more of a, a job and it felt, you know, it was kind of, you know, I, there was plenty that I feel that I left on the table that I wanted to do. Uh, however, I feel like I got, so much out of the experience and it was like what what more do I really need to do for the the level that I'm currently enjoying what I'm doing and so for me it was kind of wanting to explore 
something else and really get to know what else it is I want to do in this world. And then on top of that, I, I have interests that, you know, I can't really partake participate in, uh, as a pro player, you know, I, mountain biking, skateboarding, surfing, snowboarding, like all that stuff that I haven't done my whole life. So, uh, it was, it was a bit of just wanting to step into enjoying some other aspects of life. And, um, so I think that's, that's kind of what initially got me to, uh, to go in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand. I mean, there's a lot to this world besides what's just between the lines as yeah. fun as it is there. Um, I had one question about the pool play in terms of you go to these different teams. Uh, how much gear are you able to get if you're constantly coming in? Are you like, I need it all. I need the yeah. park. And they're like, it's July. You're like, I need it. <laughs> I know I have, I have quite the collection. Um, so it, it it depends on the team um, and like and what they use for their down like their what what their what their rules are like uh, Kansas City they didn't have team issued gear that you had to wear at meals and so I didn't walk away with much if anything from them whereas um, Portland you know was the full full kit and and all of that but um, most importantly I I do have jerseys from all the clubs I do need to reach out to New York City and get one printed because I, I wasn't on the bench for any one of those games so they didn't make me one but at this point I, I need to add that to my collection so 100%. Um, but yeah I've, I've got a few emblems a few crests uh, across <laughs> across the year <laughs> I was thinking you must got a very diverse wardrobe I do I do I've had to so, give quite a bit of it away <laughs> He's a fair weather fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See me walking down the street and I've got three clubs on and they're going to be like, who's this guy? Uh -huh. So uh, what do you think is, is next for your, for your life journey? Obviously, the fun stuff of mountain bike yeah. and all, but what are you thinking uh, is your next step? Yeah, um, I, I have a degree in biomedical sciences. And so I was originally thinking medical school. And I don't think that that's the direction I want to go. Um, I am interested in psychology and um, looking at uh, ways of being a therapist at some point, but I'm not I'm not able to commit to school just yet. And so I'm going to I think I'm going to try and use soccer to, to get me into the business world and get a hands on education in that way it was wasn't something I was interested in in college but I am now and so I'm going to see if the the game can provide a little bit more for me and see what avenues uh that opens up and you know try and get a hands-on business education and uh start to just see what it is that I'm interested in in, in life I, I feel like there's a broad horizon and I even I don't know what it is that I like and what I want to do and so I just gotta I gotta kind of jump in and, and do something that I'm excited about but jump in and figure it out as I go um, and so I would love to get back to the west coast uh, southern California sunshine would be great you know I love the mountains of the northwest so um, I think that's uh, that's what I'm I'm trying to do at the moment very cool very cool yeah it's exciting it's uh you finally have so many more options and freedom yeah. If you think too, like with, with, when you're an athlete, like you don't have a lot of freedom. It's kind of what club needs a player of your position and you're stuck going there. And mm -hmm. maybe it's not even the city you want. Like that's all you're, you don't really get many choices, but now you kind of get, Hey, you can move anywhere. Even if they don't have a soccer team, you could live there if you want. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's exciting to have that freedom because you're right. You, even though the, the, the one thing that's nice about the pro lifestyle is the amount of downtime that you have. So you can use it for however, however you want to spend it. However, you know, as a pro, you're constantly thinking about, well, how am I, how is this affecting training? You know, when's the game, when's travel, 
you know, and so you're, you have to be responsible with, with what you do with your body and, and what you consume. And, you know, so you're just, you're, you're kind of always, even though, you know, you're not training, you're always thinking about the game and, and everything and how does this relate? And um, so I, I am looking forward to experience a little bit of that freedom and, and um, uh, you know, just not, not feeling quite as owned in a sense of, you know, being, bound by the contract and you know of course I don't want to show up to to whatever job I have next and have my leg in a cast and be on you know be on crutches but you know at least I have the freedom to go explore some of these activities that you know I I would have ended ended my career and my contract if I had you know shown up uh, with a broken ankle from one of these things so <laughs> exactly I got I got two questions left uh yeah one's more fun one's more serious the first one the fun one is now that you are done, retired as a goalkeeper, if you, you know, five years down the road, you join a men's league, are you going to refuse to play goalie and that you have to be a field player or would you be okay? Being 100%. 100%. I, I, I don't know. I think, I'll, I think I'll try goalkeeper at one point, but I think I'll be so frustrated that my level is not what it was. And, like, I, and, and, and look, like I've, I've spent my whole life playing. I want to score some goals. <laughs> if you're going to put me on the field – but the thing is, is that no one's going to want that because everyone's looking for a good men's league goalkeeper. Oh, and they're gonna that's the one position. <laughs> if we can't yeah. get him to play goalie, how are we going to convince anyone to play? Yeah, so, so they're, they're going to they're gonna have to sweeten the deal for me a little bit. I know, I, I know some contract negotiations, so they're going to have to throw a few things in for, for me. I mean, I heard, I heard maybe a private jet. Yeah, private, you know, nothing major, just, just a jet. <laughs> Um, and then the more serious one is now, obviously you're retired. So now you really have the full um, hindsight of your career. Uh, mm -hmm. But if you could go back and talk to, you know, 15 year old self, you just made the transition from Campton to uh, the fire Academy. What would be the uh, biggest piece of advice you feel like you would like to give yourself? Yeah. When I, when I look back, I think it would, it would, a lot of it would be not taking the mistakes or criticism or anything so personally that that being a goalkeeper and being a soccer player is not who I am it was what I did and uh, my success and my failure in that arena doesn't define me as a person so not to get too high on the highs and get too low on the lows uh, and then furthermore you know we talk about we talk about these things that there's a lot more in life than just the game and I, I, I think I at times made sacrifices for the sake of saying I made the sacrifice. And so I wish that I had a little bit more to my life than just the game. Um, I could have, you know, granted, you know, being a college athlete, being in biomedical sciences, trying to go pro, trying to be a top level, you know, athlete and student didn't leave a lot of free time. However, I feel like there was some more of the creative side or some other interests that I really didn't let express and I think that time away from the game would have been healthy it's not 24 7 you have to train four hours a day taking a step back can actually propel you forward when you are recharged refreshed and uh, feel energy from from something else so I would say be a little bit more multi-dimensional and to separate out uh, who I am versus what I do Love that. I love that. Yeah, I think the, you know, maybe I'd say call it kind of like that work life balance and especially mm -hmm. in um, pro sports and all we, 
or many people will wear it as kind of a badge of honor of how busy they are with it. And mm -hmm. although it's important to do your job at the end of the day, like there is other aspects to life. And especially, I think, um, you know, as part of the retirement process too, is learning um, that your identity can't just be as a soccer player because you're not yeah. that anymore. And now, yeah. you know, you can't be introduced to everyone new you meet as, oh, this is so-and-so, he's a professional goalie. Now yeah. it's what's next. and. It's challenging, but I think it's probably one of the healthiest things to have to discover of who are you off off the field. Because, I mean, when you play it your whole life, that's what you know since age three or four or whatever until you yeah. retire. That's who you are. And it's it's tough. It's not easy at times. I'm sure you'll experience it, you know, these coming months. Obviously, you, the yeah. first couple months, it feels good. Your body feels great for the first time, not diving yeah. around. But yeah. then preseason rolls back around. and you're not there and everyone else is there for the first time and what you know 23 years you're not going to preseason it's like wait wait a second yeah yeah and and you're right it's there is that excitement around making the decision but then there's also that part of you that still wants to play and like even hearing you talk about preseason and the guys getting out there and training there is that little bit of like oh I should be out there with them you know just even just you know they're not even doing it but just hearing you say that is like oh yeah like preseason the energy of it you know so it's uh yeah it's 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 a challenge um but everybody has to cross the threshold at some point like we're not going to be soccer players and even if you remain in the game for your whole life you're not going to be the you know a player you know you're going to be a coach or or um you know you're going to be in the front office or or whatever it is um, and so, you know, for anybody, whether you're transitioning out of things after high school, after college, after a pro career, you know, it's, it's daunting, but you know, you'll, you'll figure it out. So, you know, kind of cross that threshold with courage and, and know that you'll, you'll be all right on the other side. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My mom, I, she has a saying that she says, and kind of, and I feel like it pertains to sports as well, but she always says like, wherever you go on vacation, whatever always leave one thing you wanted to do don't do it leave it for next time it always gives because then whenever even if there is never next time and you never do it in your mind there's always that little bit of like happy desire for that thing and mm. I think that's true with sports too I think some players stay around too long and they're like oh well I did everything but then they burn themselves out and they like have just a sour taste when you yeah. have like your little bit like yes you know you're ready to be done but you're like I could go back out and play it's almost yeah. like Yes, it's hard, but it's also a good feeling because you left it in like still a desire to to be a goalie instead of just being so burnt out and sick of it, like you can't even watch the sport on TV. Yeah, yeah, and and because the the sport has been there and has given so many amazing things, you know, I, I have dealt with coming to that edge of like wanting nothing to do with it, but slowly as I get some distance from it, you know, there is a little bit of that like. Oh yeah, you know this was good. It was it was this thing that was really positive in my life and has given me a lot. And you're right. It's I think it's it's hard to know where that line is and when you when you need to walk away. And uh, you know I think you can only try to feel it out for yourself. But yeah, I think that was the fear was was hanging on too long. And um, so it feels weird to to walk away. You know I'm 28, almost 29. Like there's still good years as a goalkeeper left, and my body's holding up well. Uh, but you know, like you said, there's, there's more to us and there's more to life. So I think that's, that's what I'm going to run into. hundred mm -hmm. percent. Well, man, I appreciate you uh, taking time out of your day to share this. Um, excited to see 
usually I say excited to watch the rest of the journey, but I'm excited to see what you do um, off the field because I think that in some ways is more exciting because obviously when you're a goalie, we kind of know what to expect on the field, but now you have freedom to so many more opportunities of what you can do with your life, which I think is a, a cool experience as well. So I appreciate you telling your story, um, the good and the bad, and uh, also just the uniqueness of it, being a pool player. I think that's was interesting to hear about as well. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for having me on and, and for giving me a chance to, to voice my experience. And, and, and uh, I, I certainly get a lot of it, getting these opportunities to really reflect and, and you know, put these answers together. So mm -hmm. I appreciate it. All right, man. Have a good day. You as well. All right. Bye.